Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. A word for the world and the church in the New Testament. Four points to be made from verses 1 through 11 here in 1 Thessalonians 5. This is in close context to the promise of rapture and resurrection, to the promise that we will see those who have preceded us in death again. Even though they may have died and we may still be alive, there will be a meeting in the air with them in the presence of the Lord. So the teaching of Paul to the Thessalonians in that general subject continues here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. So there are four things we're going to see here that Paul continues in his teaching to the Thessalonians. Number one, the day of the Lord is imminent. Beginning in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons. The two Greek words there for times, chronon. Now uh, it's, we get chronology, chronos. We get, that's a word that speaks of time in general. Uh, for example, an example of, of, a, of a chronos would be um, a month, the month of January. We know that the time will run from the 1st to the 31st and, and so forth, all right? Um, or an hour. An hour is a, is a general time frame. So that's a chronos. But the next word, seasons. Chiron from Kairos speaks of a critical point in time, a due fulfillment, a season, something that will specifically come. I may say, I will come back in an hour. Well, now that's that's chronos. But if I add a phrase to it, because the cake will be done. Well, that's a charon. Chronos, charon. Paul is saying here that to the Thessalonians, you know that I have taught you that time goes on and as time goes on, there are critical points in time that are predicted by the Bible. So, he says here, you have no need of anything to be written to you concerning the times and the seasons. Paul would have taken his scripture and would have taught the Thessalonians about Time and what happens during time is, of course, sovereignly arranged by God. And it will happen 
regardless of what man may think. So he continues here. For you yourselves know full well. That's a powerful phrase in the Greek text. You are fully aware. You are completely and absolutely aware. You absolutely perceive and know. You can see with your mind's eye. You know, you absolutely are aware that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. The phrase, the day of the Lord, is mentioned 19 times, I think, in the Old Testament and four times in the New Testament. In every generation of the writing of the Bible, of the writing of Scripture, prophets and apostles warned humankind of the coming day of the Lord. There are several scriptures. I'm not going to go through those. It would, it would, it would take two or three sermons just to talk about the day of the Lord and the various attributes of it. Suffice it to say that it is a due fulfillment. It is a critical point in time of which we have been warned all the way through Scripture. You know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Poof, it happens. It describes the wrath of God poured out on unbelieving Israel and an unbelieving world. But it also describes in other portions of Scripture how is it, a, it is a day of salvation for the remnant of that time. So it has its good news and it has its bad news. The day of the Lord bringing to conclusion the, the times of, of man's history as we understand it before being ushered into the millennial kingdom, those that day of the Lord is a day of wrath for the world, a day of salvation for the remnant. Everyone will know that it's the day of the Lord. The reprobate will curse God in it. The elect of God will bless God in it. That will be the day of the Lord. And when it's poured out, It'll be poured out on the world everywhere, and it will be, it will, it will be unlike anything we've ever known. It's described in uh, the Revelation. We come to realize it's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's the time of the visitation of the Lord. It's the time of uh, the 70th seven-year period. It's the tribulation, and then the last half is the great tribulation. And the wrath of God is poured out systematically as has already been prophesied and this 
This wrath of God comes first on the breaking of seven seals and then on the blowing of seven trumpets and then finally on the pouring out of seven bowls of wrath. And then it comes to an end and that part of time is concluded and carries us into the thousand years, the millennial kingdom. So these are teachings that they would have known. You, you absolutely are aware completely that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. This has been part of the teaching that he gave to them while he was there. Naturally, when, when people learn of Christ and they come to Christ and are saved and come into the church, they still need more teaching. Well, why are things the way they are? Why is this happening here? But my heart, my heart is like it is. And now the things that I enjoyed, I can't enjoy them. Where's all this headed? And then the question, what about grandpa? He died and he was a Christian. So all these things. So Paul is saying, look, there with Christ, when he comes, he brings them with him. They are joined to their resurrection body. We will not precede them. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up. We will be seized from impending danger. And together we will be with them forever with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. He continues in that teaching. You know full well the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. So what happens when a thief comes? I had a punching bag stolen from me once. Many years ago, I left the garage door open. I lived in a pastoral parsonage next to the church. It was my favorite punching bag. And I had to hook it up. The men from the church had fixed it where they had a some kind of a bolt, eye bolt, whatever you call it, into the beam up there and had a chain and I'd hook that thing up to the chain. It's kind of heavy. I'd work on that thing. Then in order to get the car in the garage, I'd have to take it down and go put it beside. Well, I had left it hanging because I wasn't through with it. We came home. We drove into the driveway and the first thing I said was, my punching bag is gone. It was stolen from me. I was so mad I could spit. And I probably did. My face turned red and purple. And they were gone. We'd been gone an hour, maybe. Went out to eat, maybe something. Came back. It was an infuriating moment in my life. Let me tell you something. You're in trouble if you try to steal something from me now. Because I'm ready. As a matter of fact, I am so prepared, it will take me two or three minutes just to decide what I want to do. So, 
So Pat will hold the shotgun on him while I say, just hold on a minute. I'm trying to decide exactly what I want to do. You ain't going nowhere. I'm prepared. I was like, oh man. You won't do stuff like that to me but once. So wherever I go, I'm prepared. Day or night. But mostly thieves like to operate in the night. When I was in the police academy many many years ago, we, we learned how Generally speaking, a burglar will stake out a place. He'll, he'll, he'll find out what your routine is. And then as soon as you pull out on a particular routine, like if you go to church every Wednesday night. You know, okay. And so he'll break in. He goes to the bedroom. Nowhere but the bedroom. And he's looking for jewelry, guns, and cash. And he spends no more than three minutes in the bedroom and he's gone. He'll take what he can when he sees it, and he may not have completely searched the bedroom, but it doesn't matter. He's there quickly, and he's gone. Thief in the night. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, here's the question. Are you prepared for the coming of the day of the Lord. Listen, it is a message of Scripture that goes all the way back to the early parts of the Old Testament and continues and extends all the way to the conclusion of the story of man in the Revelation. The day of the Lord, the wrath of God, no generation will ever stand. No unsaved, let me put it this way. No unsaved person, regardless of what time period he lived in, will stand before the great white throne claiming ignorance. It's been preached in every generation. It's in the Bible. It's recorded. It's secure there in that message of God's word. The wrath of God is coming. Man fell from that lofty place into which God had created him. And he's a sinner. And there are two possibilities. Number one, to leave this life as a reprobate. Or number two, to leave this life as having known and become and know that you are among the elect of God. That's all. You're saved or you're lost. It's one or the other. The wrath of God. And when it comes, it comes like a thief in the night for those who are unprepared. And those who are unprepared are going to see anything and everything except what's really happening. That's the great delusion. He continues. While Now I want you to get the contrast between you and they. The they's and the them's. That's the reprobate. That's the unsaved. And the you are the church, the elect, the saved. While they are saying peace and safety everything's okay it's gonna be all right no it ain't it's gonna get worse than what it is thank God that I will escape the worst of it by the promise of my Lord to escape it but the world is just ignoring the signs 
of the impending wrath of God. We're, to use my daddy's analogy again, the unsaved world, they're on a roller coaster to hell, spinning around and flying downward and screaming and having a good time, not knowing that at the end of that ride is the lake of fire. While they are saying peace and safety, in other words, they are in denial of the impending wrath of God. God wouldn't do that. A loving God. Yeah, he would. He's a just God. And he's a gracious God. If it wasn't for grace, none of us would be saved. So, unbelievers are saying, crying out peace and safety. Then, destruction. The Greek word means annihilation, ruination, extinction. Destruction will come upon them suddenly. There won't be any time to prepare. That's it. Like labor pains upon a woman who is pregnant and they will never escape. Never means, and there it is up there, the double negative in the Greek, ume. Ume, double negative, not, not never. They will never escape. There is no escape from the wrath of God for them. It's different for us, but for them, they will never escape. Second thing, the church is not in darkness. We have the blessed Holy Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit who teaches us. God sends to us preachers and teachers and fills us with the spirit and gives us the yearning to know and as we are able and capable he lets us grow in faith and in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and it comes and it comes it's a lifetime experience the church is not in darkness it's very important for the church to learn the word of God But you, brothers, are not in darkness. The world is in darkness. The reprobate of this world, they're in darkness. They can't understand the word of God. They can't understand the danger that mankind is in, the day of wrath. Isaiah uh, chapter 2 says, The... Arrogance of man will be brought low. The pride of men will be humbled. And only the Lord will be exalted in that day. There won't be any ability or way for man to exalt himself anymore. The day of the wrath of God 
the day of the Lord, he will completely smash the arrogance and pride of mankind such that only he will be exalted. Brothers, you're not in darkness that that day would overtake you like a thief. So we live a life of preparation. We keep our spiritual shotgun loaded. We will not be caught by surprise because we are not in darkness. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Darkness continues to fall even more completely upon the world and the children of light can see it. Can see that night is coming. But we're children of the day. That separation was made way back in Genesis chapter 1. God separated light from darkness. And he saw the light that it was good. And he called the light day. So... There is this and has been this division in all of human history. To the Thessalonians then and to the church now, we're not in darkness. We understand the doctrine of seasons. And the greatest season of all, perhaps, well, I may not go that far, but it's a great season, would be the season of the day of the Lord. It's going to be so horrible that all of the world will have to acknowledge that it's a divine thing that's happening. But you read the book of the Revelation and hear these critical points in time when something horrible around the world is happening, but it speaks of the earth dwellers, as I call them. And there is this one constant phrase. They would not repent. They would not repent. But we are not of night nor of darkness. We're sons of light. We're sons of day. Because we're told that the word of God is a lamp and a light. It shines on our path. And we can see and have discernment and understanding and are fully aware of what's happening. The apostle Paul told him, as that day approaches, you won't be caught unaware. You are fully aware of all of this. Because you're children of light. You are of the day. Not of darkness. 
not of night. So then, the third thing is that we should be watchful and alert always. We should never agree or align ourselves in the smallest way with anything that is darkness in this world. Paul continues. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and sober. Those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Darkness. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We are saved. We have faith in our Lord and in his word. We love the brethren and we love the doctrines of scripture. Keeps us safe. Protects us from the thief who would try to come in at night and ravage us and steal from us. Finally, number four. We are appointed to salvation and not to wrath. Now, we've talked about the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. How in the revelation it is revealed. And the wrath of God comes mightily in a period of seven years upon the world. But the elect of God are not appointed to that. We're appointed to salvation, not to wrath. For God has not appointed us for wrath. That's why the day of the Lord doesn't startle us. And except for the horrible punishment poured out upon the unbelieving, it brings no fear to us. Because we know by the teaching of our Lord that we are not appointed for wrath. A lot of people are. God has not appointed us for wrath. That's why I know the church will not go through the tribulation. The time of God's wrath. The time of Israel's trouble. Jacob's trouble. Because we are not appointed for wrath. We'll see this more than once in the letters to the Thessalonians. But we are appointed to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we are appointed to. To obtain salvation. And our salvation, of course, reaches its fruition in the coming of Christ and the glorification of my body. And I'm outfitted to live with him forever. Thus to engage the ages of the ages that are yet to come. 
but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, whether we are walking around living or whether we have already died, we will live together with him. This is his promise. This is the promise on which I stand. That I will ever and always be with the Lord. Whether I haven't raptured yet. Or whether I'm dead. I will live together with the others who are in Christ. I will live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and build up, build the house. Okidemete, the house strengthened, to strengthen the house. Build up one another, just as you are also doing. This is our comfort. Perhaps the Lord will come. And all of us who are here and are alive will be raptured before this service is over. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe before the day of my physical death comes. I don't know. For some of us, as time goes on and our earthen vessel drops, and we come to the funeral service and we gather as fellow believers to pay our respects to a fallen believer. We're comforted. We're built up. Because I and you and all who are in Christ are appointed to obtain his salvation. Whether I'm alive, whether I'm dead, at the close of all things, I will be together with other believers, all of them, with him. And this is a great comfort to the church. Why should we fear death? It was I'm trying to think of that old uh, that old preacher's name, one of the old early church fathers, they threw him into a den of lions. He was very old. And in struggling with his legs, he ran to extend his arm into the mouth of the first lion. And at the top of his voice cried out, only now do I begin to be a Christian. Death has no power over us, you see. We have been appointed to obtain salvation. And that salvation is eternal salvation. I'm, I'm saved, I'm, 
I'm being sanctified through my life. I have been justified. I'm being sanctified. I will be glorified. And the obtaining of salvation absolutely is mine through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not by my power. I can't do it by my power. He saves me. He keeps me. He'll lift me up in rapture or he'll call me up out of the grave. And death has no meaning over my life in Christ. And so this is a comfort. This is an encouragement. This is an edification for the church. And this is what Paul is teaching them about Christian death and the day of the Lord. The wrath of God that is truly coming. And yet we are fully unaware that we are not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and hear me say to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came into this world to save sinners. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ. Call on him for your salvation. If you would come to Christ today, as we exit this room, there will be deacons and wives just across the hall. You'll see them as you leave, standing in the doorway, waiting to receive you and talk to you and pray with you about salvation. Maybe you're here and you need to plant your life in this church as a believer. We'll take care of all of the details of church membership if that's what God has laid on your heart. They stand ready to help you in that. For now, let's all prayerfully stand all over this room and be dismissed with prayer.